This week, Professor Karen Woody joins me to take a look at the first case, which analyzes the McDonald's case for office. First, a word from Nick Gallo about the ethics verse. Your network is your net worth. Neither are big enough. Hi, this is Nick, chief servant at Ethico and host of the ethics verse, the coolest place to be every Thursday at noon Eastern. The Ethics Verse is our weekly free webinar series where we invite the top minds in the ethics and compliance space to share their knowledge on topics that matter most to people on the front lines. These are not thinly veiled sales presentations. These are weekly sessions that help you elevate your impact and build an authentic culture of integrity with tactics on how to sustainably crowdsource risk intelligence at scale within your organization. Join the special community each week to build your network, earn free CEUs, win the hottest books in the ethics and compliance space, and gain insights you can implement immediately to expand your impact and reinforce your culture of integrity. You can continue to be the hero within your organization. Go to ethico.com cpn to book a demo, sign up for the ethics verse, and download the exclusive white paper by Tom Fox, 2023, the year in compliance. All right, so you're right, Tom, about, it's now been about a month since Vice Chancellor Will in Delaware issued or dismissed a complaint against the president of Segway, the two-wheeled device manufacturer, and the complaint alleged a breach of fiduciary duty. More particularly, it dealt with the fact that the plaintiffs were alleging that the president of Segway had given inaccurate financial data numbers to Ninebot, which is the company that acquired Segway in 2015. Obviously, if you think through when a president is giving numbers to the potential merger partner, and maybe those numbers are incorrect, there's problems there. But I think to really dive into this case, you have to go through a little of the background. And I want to talk a little bit about McDonald's, which this case really is trying to, as you say, interpret. So first, let's back all the way up. There are two major fiduciary duties that directors and officers have to take into account or to exercise those duties, I should say. That's the duty of care and the duty of loyalty. Duty of care requires that fiduciaries effectively inform themselves about material information, workings of the company before making a business decision. And they also need to take care, just be prudent in the exercise of their duties. Conversely, the duty of loyalty requires exactly that, sort of no conflict of interest, undivided interest toward the corporation rather than personal interests, no self-dealing, that kind of idea. Inherent in sort of these two, if these are the two primary fiduciary duties, there's also the duty of oversight, which really derives from the Caremark case in 1996 that we've spoken at length about on this podcast and elsewhere. But effectively, after the 1996 decision in Caremark, you have this, I I don't know if we'd say new duty of oversight. There's an interpretation that the duty of loyalty includes this duty of oversight. And so when it's Howls essentially under the duty of loyalty, it means that you have to not act in bad faith. So this is what this means is duty of oversight means you have to have some sort of system of information, reporting systems, compliance programs that effectively inform senior management and the board about any sort of potential issues within the company. And should there be certain information from those systems that is delivered to the board has to take that seriously. So what that means is there are really two ways to bring a care mark duty of oversight claim. Two prongs, as it's been called in the cases. A systems or information prong one claim, which says you basically didn't set up one of these systems that should catch these things, and or you just didn't monitor it. So you set it up, you got, it's a paper program only. No one's actually checking the output. The other one is the red flag prong, or the other way to bring these claims. And that is, 
you know some things are going wrong, there is some misconduct, there are these proverbial red flags, and that you acted in bad faith by consciously ignoring those or disregarding those red flags. So in the bad faith thing is no joke. It's a really high bar to clear. And in fact, Caremark is a very hard, the Caremark standard is really hard to meet. So almost all of these cases are tossed on a motion to dismiss. In the last few years, we've seen a handful get past the motion to dismiss stage, usually because of these egregious facts, like the Boeing case, the Bluebell ice cream case, terrible outcomes, terrible facts. Those cases up until last year all had to do with the board of directors and the oversight that the board of directors was giving. There had not been a case until a year ago against an officer performing the duties of the job. That changed last year, in actually in January 2023, when Vice Chancellor Vice Laster allowed or basically said that the plaintiffs cleared the motion to dismiss case in, or the motion to dismiss standard in the McDonald's case. McDonald's was this sort of terrible, again, set of facts, pervasive sexual harassment, employment claims made by women at McDonald's, and they brought the lawsuit against the executive vice president and basically HR, I think his title was something goofy like people officer or something, for sexual harassment claims. And again, both the monitoring and sort of oversight of this terrible culture, and then also claims, again, about sexual harassment that he himself had had performed, that he was accused of. So they brought that lawsuit as a caremark claim, as you have breached your duty of oversight. His argument or his defense was, no, that just applies to the board. It doesn't apply to officers. And Vice Chancellor Laster just made him eat that and then said, absolutely not. This is, again, an egregious case. There's clearly red flags. There are clearly red flags here. There's enough here that the plaintiffs have said that survives the motion to dismiss because he said, I see a lot of facts here that support the inference that this guy at least knew of evidence of his own, of, of corporate misconduct, and then also had performed some of this misconduct himself. And so he said, there's enough here to indicate action done in bad faith. And this was a pretty huge deal. And we talked about this about a year ago on this, on this podcast, because it was such a huge deal when this came out. So and, and I have to say, even Lester said the fact that he had been accused of sexual harassment himself was in itself a breach of fiduciary duty. So a violation of his role toward the company by his own bad act. So it was a pretty sweeping, it could have some really significant implications on the McDonald's case a year ago. So fast forward till now, we have the Segway case that came out about a month ago. Same idea. The plaintiffs are bringing a lawsuit against the president of Segway for this accounting issue. Then I have to say, Vice Chancellor Will, a year later after McDonald's, seems to push back heavily against the direction I think Laster was going. She basically, I think the tide has shifted here because she very much says, listen, bad faith has to really be bad faith. There's a reason it was called the Citadel of Caremark. These are really high bars to clear. And so she says there's no different standard for officers versus directors. McDonald's, as it applies to officers, didn't lower the bar for officers vis-a-vis -vis directors. She says it's the same bar. It's still Caremark. It's significantly high. And there has to be proof of bad faith. So the point is like inaccurate financials related to potential revenue decreases or issues with customers 
those are not inherently red flags that would rise to the Caremark claim because we're really in like at least a gross negligence standard for this. And Vice Chancellor Will's like, I don't see it. I don't see that there's enough here for that. The takeaway is we've had this now interpretation of McDonald's which seemed like, a, I don't know if we'd say an outlier, but very much a push toward a pro-plaintiff, really holding directors and officers now liable for their actions and their lack of oversight. And it seems like the pendulum swung a little bit back after the Segway case last month. There's been a retraction to it. Hey, we were serious when we wrote Caremark a while ago. There's only been a handful of claims that have even gotten over a motion to dismiss case on Caremark. And even though those were about directors, McDonald's was this kind of crazy outlier that we're not moving in that direction any further. If anything, I think, retrenched back to the high bar of Caremark claims. That's where we are. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think there is some pushback. We saw, as Tom, we talked about a lot, the sort of slow march of weakening of Caremark from Bluebell all the way to Boeing. There's five or six cases in there where these claims survived a motion to dismiss. I would argue that in nearly every one of those cases, as we talk about all the time, those facts were terrible. Just ter- the Boeing facts are terrible. People are dying because there isn't someone with their finger on the pulse here or, or asleep at the switch kind of thing. So I do think the facts here don't feel as egregious and not to suggest that law is always that malleable, but I think we all live in the world and the context matters. The other thing I will say, and that I do think was a link between all of the cases that had been successful over the motion to dismiss, McDonald's included, is that they were piggybacking on a regulatory enforcement action. So even McDonald's had an EEOC claim underneath it. So all of these were plaintiffs were able to, for a couple of things, were able to get more discovery because of what was made public through a regulatory uh, enforcement action. And also, I think the fact of the, the, the idea that you've already screwed up, you've violated FAA regs, you've violated FDA regs, that already is moving the momentum toward a, like something's pretty wrong here. This one doesn't seem, at least from what I could understand, have some sort of clear violation that predicated this additional plaintiff's class action. Just, we lost some money, business went down. And in fact, Vice Chancellor Will points it out. Like she goes back to, listen, these are business people and not every business decision is going to go well. So you can't just keep suing people in their personal capacity because of that. There's some deference to business decisions. And, that, and I think they very much wanted to hold to that foundational understanding of this idea of the business judgment rule. Compliance Podcast Network is sponsored this month by Ethico. Ethico is a leader for compliance champions like yourself with its ethics and compliance optimization system built to turn goals and guidelines into real ROI for your program. For more information and a special white paper, go to ethico.com slash CPN. If you're a fan of Sherlock Holmes, I'm taking up the return of Sherlock Holmes, short stories from that novel on this season of Adventures in Compliance. Check it out all on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.